Remember, one of the things that we are pursuing as a church and which we want you to capture and never miss is that God has called you and gifted you. God, and I have to keep repeating it, God has not called pastors only. God has called all of us. And how do we know that Ephesians 2.10 tells us that for we are all of us, God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do the good works which God prepared beforehand. For those that God foreknew, he also predestined, he called, he justified all of us. And so the greatest and the saddest thing is for people to jump around in church and fail in their calling in God. And all of us are going to be busy. But the Bible says all the busyness, all of life will be accounted for when we stand before God. And some of the things that you and I are neglecting today, we are going to account for them when we get them. Some of the things are going to disqualify us for heaven. Others are going to disqualify us for the crown. Let's give, let's give examples. The Bible says we are going to account for every idle way that we say. If we are gossips, you are going to account for the things you have spoken. For those who like speaking. Because the power of life and, and, and death is on the tongue. And those who love it shall eat the fruit thereof. But we will account for the words we have spoken. Two, it says we will account in Revelation 20 for all that we have done. It says, and the books were opened. And all the dead were judged according to what was written in the books. Remember, there's the book. I agree we spoke about that. The book is the book of life. It says, if your name is not there, hey, we don't even have to talk. Never mind judgment. Hell straight. How do you get your name in there? Accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. But based on the fact that all of us were created to do something and we are busy, our work, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, when you read from verse 9, it says, we are God's co-workers and you are God's field and God's building. It says, everyone who builds must check how they build because their work is going to be tested with fire. And if their work was useless, it will be bent, but the person will survive only as one surviving the fire. So which means... You will, your work will be disqualified. You won't get a crown. So you've, they have been walking earth doing nothing. So basically, your life in terms of purpose was vanity. It was useless. So you will have nothing, but you will still be in heaven. And I like saying if, perhaps, if there are street sweepers in heaven, you might just qualify as one. But thank God they aren't street sweepers. But, Jesus says, at the same time, what you do, the relationships that we share, as I stand before you, what I share with you, how I live with you, we're going to account for that. The Bible says the leaders, the pastors, are going to account for the souls of the people they led. But, Every one of us is going to account for how we related with every other person. And this is how Jesus put it. He says, and I will say to them, I was hungry. You never fed me. I was naked. You never clothed me. 
I was in prison. The only comment you made about prisoners was that, yeah, why do prisoners have rights? But you never visited me. When I was in hospital, I get these are relationships. Some of which we just kick them around. Remember I was saying, you can justify not giving to the poor. But when you stand before God, he will say, I was the guy who used to stand between Malibongwe and Vetkope. Jesus is not going to rock up and say, I'm Jesus, I'm hungry. No. He says, whatever you have done for others, you did for me. So friends, what do we do one unto another? We are going to occur. So do not be deceived. Jesus says, and on the basis of the relationship you share with me, some of you will come and say, didn't we cast demons in your name? And Jesus will not say to them, you never cast demons in my name. He doesn't deny you casting demons. He says, but I never knew you. So your relationship with me was based on presumption. And then he will say, I do not know you, you evil doer. And he will throw you out where there will be weeping and gnashing of. So what must you and I be thinking about is how do I avoid disqualification from heaven? That one is simple. Accept Jesus Christ as Lord and How do I avoid being disqualified for the crown? Fulfill your calling, the purpose for which God created you. Use your gifts. Don't sit in church. Don't go to work and gossip. Everywhere you go, reveal the Christ that is in you. Make him do what he wanted to do when he created you. We all understand. And so our purpose, I said, as pastors, is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Is to equip you to be all that God intended you to be and to do that. Mushab. And so we said, when you serve God and you are starting to love God and you want to do everything, there are going to be challenges. And we want to prepare you for the challenges. We told you that we, we, we have personal challenges, stuff that you need to deal with yourself. About your private world. Do you remember that? I've covered that. But we also spoke about field work. The fact that the calling is a tough work. For you to be where you want to be, there are certain things you need to do and sacrifice to get them done. But then there will be also corporate challenges, communal challenges. The fact that I have to work with someone whom I do not necessarily like or agree with. And... Today we are talking about the relational challenges. The kind of people that are going to be a hindrance or a stumbling block when you try to do what God has called you. So these people are going to either make you fail or succeed. And may I repeat myself again. If every other person dies in your life, that does not mean the purpose of God for your life has died. My mother passed away. That's not an excuse for me to suspend what God has called me to do. For time and tide does not wait for me. Perhaps when my mother died, it was her time to die. Perhaps she dies having fulfilled her call and her gifting. I don't know. And here's the point. When we stand before God, we don't stand as families. We don't stand as churches. We don't stand as couples. We stand as 
individuals. And therefore, we must encourage you, regardless of whatever you go through, do not forget that God has a purpose for your life and there is no excuse for you not to fulfill it. When you stand before God, no, they won't be dead. There'll only be this one thing. I gave you power. God gave each and everyone what? And so, here's a statement that I wrote this morning. Our sanity in pursuing the call of God on our lives and the ability to fulfill it does not depend on the agendas that preoccupy our hearts in regard to our circumstances and the people we relate to. But rather on the centralization of Christ in our lives as a primary relationship that anchors every other occurrence in our lives and upon whom everything stands and falls. There are people who believe that because circumstances around them are not well, they are not supposed to do what they are supposed to do. Yasmina Ekaya Sialam. Then, are you dead? And there are people, almost all of us here, you are where you are because of your response to what other people have done. And so when you read in Proverbs 25, I think it's verse 28 or 26, it says, like a city with broken walls, so is a person without self-restraint or self-control. It means if you don't have the, the strength in the inner man, if your inner world is collapsing, you are going to be, without fail, a victim of external circumstances. They are going to change how you feel. That is why other people, when people do things, when you see them crying and you ask them, why are you crying? The reason they are going to give you has something to do with somebody else. What does that mean? The person has the power to dictate your inner world. And friends, you're not going to fulfill your call like that. Your inner world must be intact. You must be strong enough inside not to be tossed to and fro by what other people do and say. So half of the problems, think about why are you sad now. You are sad because your boss did something, because your husband did something, because your child did something. Because, because let me tell you, those people are just like you. They are reacting to somebody else. Therefore, they take their anger. Whatever they are supposed to deal with, they, they throw it on you because they know when you are weak, you'll take it. But now they take it and pass it on. When you take it and own it. And you, you are surprised. But now they are still continuing. You see a person who offended you, is still fine, right? You know what they did? Somebody offended them, they took the offense and passed it to you. When you fail to pass it on, you're holding on to it. And here are the names that I've given to people that you will meet. And you can give them your own names as well. Number one, these people are, are going to be a distraction to you. They are challenges, these people. Bumpers. These are people with whom you are always going to collide. It seems they are specifically anointed to annoy you. Most of the time, 
These are the ones who help you to cultivate the fruit of the spirit. Although you may at times need to rebuke or confront them, you do not need to hate them. These people, when you raise an opinion, they are against it. When Jesus says, I am going to the cross to die, Peter rocks up. No, far be it from you. And Jesus says, get behind Satan. When Jesus says, all of you are going to leave me and run away. Me, now I won't run away. So you'll always have people who are always trying to balance you. Second, you'll have admirers. These love to see you in action and would unwittingly leave you to work yourself to death out of their admiration for you. They don't mind to have you doing everything. If you were to collapse with fatigue, they would most probably say, why didn't he rest? So these are the people who just pump your ego. Oh, pastor, when you preach, I feel blessed. It feels like you can preach all the time. Oh, really? When you die, I'm rudely an arrest, man. You know those people who say, I don't know what we would do without you. Detractors. These are people who will always want to pull you away from what God wants you to do. They will threaten you, entice you, discourage you, ridicule you, or even oppose you. All with the sole purpose of drawing you away from the call of God on your life. These are the people, when you are born again, they are always the first to say, Oh, Solomon's alive. Oh, Solomon of God. You know when you are at school and they say, Oh, Solomon's alive. You don't have so you believe sex before marriage is seen. Oh, you guys have never met those people, ne? Okay, fine. Runa we have. And others, when you start ah now pastor. They've never done those things to you. When you try to say, ah, mumfundis, little verse today. And now you feel ridiculed and Discouraged. Let me warn you. Those people don't hell, don't have hell, and they don't have heaven. Do not let detractors move your focus from God. And you have the Jezebels or the spiritualists. Those who use spiritual forces and tactics to manipulate you or affect the outcome of your life and ministry. That will include satanists and demoniacs. And people who use the church to further their own agendas against other people in the life of the church. You know when you are a child of God and you are trying to pursue God. The devil will set people against you. You know that? And some of them will try to bewitch you. It's just that God has protected you so you don't think they are not there. They are there. There are people who want you to die. God has protected you. But you see, here's the thing. There is so much manipulation, the witchcraft that happens is that for, for the devil to capture the mind of a Christian, he has to distract him through this lying spirit. And so, an example you see here in the life of the church. There are people that, remember I said, in every church there are sheep and what? Goats and what? Wolves. You remember that? So sometimes people come to you. You think they are your friends. You think, oh, they are spiritual. No, they are weaving their way into your life to deceive you. And then you can, 
Wabana problem yan that you have. I think kinto tabatu. Kinto tabatu chantri emotu. They tell you that we need to go and see a witch doctor, right? Now here's the thing. A witch doctor in the context of the Bible is a false prophet. What is a false prophet? A false prophet is a spiritualist who takes the truth of your situation and builds an entry into your life, but then from there builds on a lie to enslave you to fear. And then For instance, you know what happens? You go, they say, let's go to a Sangoma. And what does a Sangoma say? Don't you think about it? Demons do stuff to your life. And when they have done it, they know what they have done. They can tell you. Yesterday, you were almost in an accident. And I'm sure when you like, yes, yes, they are like, I think it was demon of accident who did it, whatever the case may be. And then they start telling you what you know because they have caused it in your life. And then they say, now you have to slaughter. And from that day, you live in fear. And I told you the story that you must never tell my family members. That sometimes when we are growing up, you know, there, there, was, there were no lights. And so there was these stories radio stories that we used to listen to. And then it would be so scary. Now when you are supposed to go and pee in the early hours of the morning, it, it's, you are scared. Guess what we used to do? You, I you remember the four rooms. There was a kitchen and a dining room door. You go to the kitchen, one step, two step, you pee there. You go back inside to sleep. In the morning, how about you? agree, you know, they have to, to, to basumlil and stuff. How about you? You hear? Hey! Baloibana! These witches and wizards! And when we are supposed to wake up and go to school, you must not go through the kitchen door. Go through the dining room. And when, when you are going, you think, it's me. And then they go and see a witch doctor. And you are listening to this liar telling them, how they are being bewitched. But from there, they are going to spend thousands on cows. Never happened to you. It's okay. But to some of us, it did happen. And then you have legacy relationships. These are also a challenges. These are people whom you work closely with or generally the people you want to groom or mentor in line with what God has put in their lives. Their relationship with you can be a source of pain or joy. Most of the time it is both. After all you've done for them, others will go away like the nine lepers, with scathing accusations, rebellion, and every other malicious intent. Whilst others, on the other hand, others like Timothy, will embrace all the godly things they have learned and go to impact their generation. You must realize that people say, Ah, oh, don't go to that church. Yeah, but you forgot when you needed us most. We were there. And so don't be hung up on what people do. People always come and go. They are in our lives. Remember we spoke about that. They are in our lives for a reason, for a season, and sometimes for a lifetime. But we don't have to be hung up on relationships. And here are some of those people that you will meet. Servants. These are people who do only what they are told to do because they do not have a sense of responsibility and ownership. 
They come into the kingdom of God like they go to their jobs. I don't do more. I just attend church. Sad, isn't it? But they are there and here as well. Superiors, those that they think they are better than you and can do what you are doing better. Inherently, they believe that God and the leaders have made a mistake by appointing you. It should have been them. They might even be right with their great competence, except that God has seen it differently, has not chosen them. You know, sometimes you can be better than someone, but your heart is not right and therefore you are not chosen. You understand that type of thing? And you will have all those people in your life. And you have those who are, who, who are just same as. They believe that there is essentially no difference between you and them. It may be that only one person was needed. Other than that, there is nothing special about you. No, I mean, they chose him. Oh, you understand? They couldn't choose both of us. It's not like he's better than me. If they had two positions, so even when you try to help people, remember, even in the life of the church, there are people who think, Umboy gets a bit here, other than that. I could do it too. When I you are trying to fulfill your call, you will meet those people. You will meet successors. Those who always think, if you are not around, give on a device. They are self-appointed. You know those people when the leader is not there, like, yeah. Hey, so hi, Honajua, let's talk. I was thinking this and this and this and this and this. Everywhere, there are people who always want to be in authority. Do not be disturbed by those people. Even at work, they are there. And then you have sons. Sons learn everything about what needs to be done. They are supportive and they give of their resources for the advancement of the cause. For they know that the success of the venture is their success because they are the heirs. So they know when our house succeeds, guess who's succeeding? I'm succeeding too. But every church wishes they had sons. Unfortunately, every church has few. Even here, we have few. It's not a shock. Agree, you see all these people we meet. Amongst them, there will be sons. Amongst them, there will be bumpers. When you are fulfilling your call, never got hung up on relationships. Hey, you know that guy, ne? You know how we loved that guy? Now he's attending. What's your problem? Do you own anyone? Do not let anyone own you and do not own. You will be free. Is that okay? Some of the people that are going to be a challenge for you is your family. Your immediate family can be a strong support or a, a hindrance in what God has called you. Mary and Martha were sisters, but their response in the presence of the Lord depicted varying attitude towards ministry. Those who want to hear from the Lord and therefore take time to listen, and those who would happily ignore the Lord as they go on with his business. There was no synergy of how best to serve the Lord together. Sometimes families don't agree. They say we are born again, but they don't agree how they are going to serve God. It can be a challenge for you. And part of your family, one of the biggest challenges if you are married can be your spouse. Your spouse may not share your passion for the Lord Jesus Christ, his kingdom or the church. 
They may even allow you to come to church, even drop you. I will take you to church. But after that, they believe something different and do something else. You know how painful it can be? Ask some of us here. Ask those whom their partners are not together with them in the faith. It's painful. But friends, as painful as it is, let it not stop you from fulfilling what God has called you to do. And sometimes your spouse may even do and believe in idols. You know those people who say, yeah, no, we have tried everything. We have tried to have a child. I think now, can happen. Even amongst people who confess to be Christians. Why? Because Jesus is not Lord. Jesus is an alternative. Jesus is not obeyed. Jesus is tolerated. We agree with him as far as it works. And so sometimes you remember Job's wife. When there was abundance and everything. Hi Job. Hi Job. Every day Job, do you want tea? The day the children were dead and there was nothing and the man was in sores. Guess who came and says, curse your God and die. It's no longer our God. But when we were eating, we were eating together. And you, how oh, bless the Lord, honey. Oh, bless the Lord, my dad. Today, you are the one who say, Longulungulu Your children. Your children, you may not always be able to take your children with you everywhere. But not, don't make your children an excuse. We brought our child to church in the very first month. We went with her, started, you know what? You've seen our daughter, right? Is she dead? So it means she's alive if you saw her. No. At least three months. Listen, that child was in hospital. There were Sangomas and other demoniacs who were entering that world. That child did not die. Am I saying you must now bring your child in first month? No. It's your child. I'm talking about mine. Because yours might die. Because when I don't have the faith. They said, Mamara said, what do you call it? And then they do have all these things. And, they, and I said, no. I agree with the story. When I got married, they wanted to do all of it. I said, no. They said, I said, no problem, I'll stay with her there. <laughs> Agreed marriage is not a covenant between families. And I don't think most Christians have understood. It's a covenant between husband and may I add, not between wife and children. I'm sure husbands who are married, you know what I'm talking about. Agree, if you are a husband, you know. Sometimes the child becomes the covenant. Hey, my child, my child, my ch from that day there's no honey. But here's the another thing that can happen, friends. Your children are not the determining factor of your calling. 
So sometimes your children can go out of the way. You know, your child can, you can be their best parent and your child can go and be pregnant or impregnant a child. Now, and then you are preaching the gospel, you're preaching the gospel. When you try to preach to the youth, they say, no, go and preach to your child first, before you come to us. Does that mean you should stop? I hope that liberates you. Your parents, your parents may not want a new religion or allow you to forsake the family church. You know, all of us come from family churches. Okay, let's not call names. But it is your choice, ultimately. Many will be disowned even by parents because of Christ. What will happen to you if it came your way? If you are born again and your parents say, not here, what are you going to do? I told you my story. They said, not here, you rather go. And guess what I chose? Go. And I left my home 1993 after the 26th of March when I got born again. I left home because my parents did not want salvation in their, their house. And since then, until my mother died, the longest I have spent at home is eight days. And every time I would go home, even when I was at school, you are home and, and every other person is happy, is happy, is happy. Shortly after that, you hear the question, so when are you leaving? But you know what? It never bothered me. For true love casts out fear. Perfect love. And love covers a multitude of sins. My mother died born again loving God. Why? Because I never took it personal. It's just part of the challenges we have to deal with. And your siblings, sometimes Banaba Henu may not necessarily agree with you. And sometimes it can get to a point where you don't even talk. You know those things? Where they now say, oh, now you are born again, so you are holier than thou. You don't come to Imikundiyetu. You have to decide. My sister, I'm telling you a lot of stories, ne? my sister, they took her to Ayotas. We all understand what Uktasa means. Eh? And then they phoned me to pay for her. And my answer was very decisive to my mother. I don't pay for the work that is done for demons. I think we had discussed that with my mother long before. That I, no, no, no. If, why should I pay for the oppression of my sister by the demon? Okay, for those of you who don't understand, who of you will drink blood from an animal directly after it was? None of you. Have you ever seen what happens when people bat us? Do you think it's normal for people to slice an animal? I'm not talking about slaughtering. I'm talking about an animal. And then you come and you drink blood like a vampire. And now you tell me you are going to pay for that. With the money that God gave you to be a good steward. So friends, I want you to understand. Jesus says, for my name, families will be in collision. You know that verse. Mother and daughters. And I know for some of you it's uncomfortable. So you say we must leave our families. Did you hear me mentioning that? Never did. The Bible says you must love your family and take care of them. But we are talking about your family derailing you from the call of God. Can I finish? If I finish, it means you have to extend the time. Now, am I saying, should I finish the rest of the note? 
Okay, it's, it's this side. This side you are free to go because this side they say I must finish. They say, why do I not have an iPad? Then there's paper still works. <laughs> if you are concerned about the paper, you can buy it yourself. You, you understand what I'm saying? I get it for me, the paper is fine. Yeah, anyway, life is good, isn't it? Some of the people that can... Let me say this. The stuff that we are saying implies you must live by the convictions that you have in Christ. There are certain things that, as far as the Bible is concerned, is up to your convictions. And some of them, we don't teach them in the church because we are scared or if we teach them, people will do them. We'll talk about them. We'll talk about, what does the Bible say about drinking alcohol? I don't drink, I never drink. And I think it's foolish to do so. But, is there a verse in the Bible that says, thou shalt not drink? Now you are saying we must drink. Did you hear me say you must drink? I'm saying, when you live by the convictions and the truth, you don't have to defend the lie. Sometimes we defend, we make the Bible the lie and we defend it. We put verses that are not in there. Let's live by the truth and defend the truth. Because sometimes when people confront you with the Bible and you say, they say, so Jesus made wine. No! Jesus made fruit juice. Really now? You all understand. Friends, if you don't know how to articulate the truth of the Bible, don't create a lie out of it. Just simply tell the person, I just don't do it. It's my own conviction. And then come and ask us, hey, was it really? Was it the real one? And we will show you that it was. But that's not the only truth of the Bible about alcohol. You understand those type of things? There's more truth. So don't defend the truth using lies. And the challenge, the, the last three, employer and employees. Paul addressed the relationship between workers and those who give jobs. How many of us live in places where they send you emails you don't want? Some of those emails don't have very nice things. Circulating emails, memorandums. Some people here, if you are to say, give me the picture and the description of the devil, they will say, my boss. You understand? But all of this, and some of the business people will say my employees. But remember, friends, these are all challenges that you and I must face and over in the morning I said something which I won't say now. About some people who work and one of the actors, some of you know him. He told the producers, I'm a Christian. Every part you want to give me, there's no taking off of my clothes. You, you are right, give me the part based on the terms or you don't. You understand? So every one of us has convictions. I know a guy who left a job because he felt the job was violating his conscience. 
we all live by our own convictions. One of the things I said, after saying it, you must forget I ever said it. But it remains true even after you forgot it. Personally, I don't kiss men. Eh? I don't want. It's my conviction. Am I right? Am I wrong? No. You know there are cultures that kiss. You know those people. Ah. And there are people who are very social. When they meet everyone. Ah, I don't. I don't kiss my father. I don't kiss my uncle. I don't kiss any maid. That's me. And I don't kiss other people's wives. Also, I kiss the girls. I don't kiss the girls. Have I kissed you? As much as I love you, my conviction is I don't do... You understand that type of thing? And... Does my wife share the same convictions? No. You know, my wife can't even kiss you. Because when she meets people, and when she kisses men, I don't like, hey, hey, Mloto, Mloto, Mloto! Hey, Mloto, hey. I don't. But I don't, I don't do it. The last two. So what I'm saying is, on some of the things that you don't seem to agree, understand, I never said you should or shouldn't. I said you must develop biblical convictions about those things. And lastly, the government. The government can be a hindrance, you know that? To your calling. Okay, let's not get into the government. But, here's the bottom line about our responsibility. We need to pray for the government. Our primary responsibility as Christians towards the government is not criticism. It's prayer. Having said that, it is not biblical to condone injustice because the bible says we must stand for justice for the oppressed the orphans the widowed and those that cannot stand for themselves so for those of you who say i don't vote let's leave it there right let's just summarize your statement by saying then you have no right to say anything after that you are not part of what is happening the Bible says they are the, the, the rules of the land and they are the rules of God. Should we pay tax? Give Caesar what belongs to and to God what belongs to. Pay tax, then you can fight the injustice around tax. And don't say, I don't vote because they make us pay more tax. Finally, Let's stand up. There are church. One of the challenges that you are going to face is in relation to church, sect, and cult. Not everyone who says is Christian is Christian. You know that. And therefore, not everyone who comes to church is born again. You know, when you are not born again, you are not part of the body of Christ. The saddest thing is that you will come to church and end up in hell. Church does never save... It doesn't save anyone. And it will never save you. Church. Jesus does. And so when we pursue religion. And we are happy. I was at church today. You're missing the point. Everything that we do here has one goal. 
the salvation of your soul. That you be born again and not spend eternity in hell. That's the whole point. The whole point is this. For God so loved the that he gave his only begotten that whosoever, who's whosoever? Every one of us, right? Whosoever believes him must not what? Let's talk about it. If the whosoever does not believe in God, what happens? So it's a personal choice. You understand that type of thing? And that's what I'm saying to all of us here. We must never threaten people about hell anymore. Hell is not the marketing department of heaven. The marketing phrase of heaven is for God so loved the world. And so friends, like I always say, if you are here today and you are not saved, maybe you visited the church and you think all these people are crazy and you like them. I think they are too. And I like them too. But all of that will be a lost cause unless you come to Jesus. Everything, the singing, the dancing, the preaching, it's useless unless it, does, it brings us to this point. Jesus, I know you came. You love me no matter what I've done. You are willing to accept me now. Forgive my sins, past, present, and future. And put me on a course of being the best I can be and do the best that you have called me to do. Friends, that's why we are preaching. That's why we do everything we do.